All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week, we like to start off our second segment with the question of the week. You can go to our website, techgumbo.net, if you'd like to submit a question and we'll send you a Tech Gumbo mug. This week's question is, what is COBOL? That's a great question. COBOL is a very old programming language. It stands for the Common Business Oriented Language. It is 64 years old. And normally you would say, oh, well, if it's a 64-year-old programming language, it must not do a whole lot anymore. Surely we've replaced it by this point in time. And you would be wrong. You would be very wrong. There are huge institutions, banks, universities, cities, government entities that still use the COBOL language to run their operations. 95% of all ATM activity in the U.S. and 80% of all in-person credit card transactions. $3 trillion daily. That's amazing, especially when you consider that there's hardly anybody left who knows how to do COBOL programming anymore. Everybody who learned that in the 60s and 70s and 80s has either died, retired, moved on to anything else, but yet these systems aren't going away anytime soon. It hasn't been taught in schools in a very long time. One, because students hate it. It's a brutal language to learn. And two, it's not going to get you a job in the future. It might get you a job in the present, but it's not. So it's something that people have said, oh, well, there's no future in COBOL, so I, I'd rather go learn something like C++ if I want you know, that kind of more granular language. If I just want an easy language to pick up Python or I'm going to pick up JavaScript to do web development. COBOL only does one thing, and the problem is that thing is just essential. A lot of these COBOL programs still run on IBM AS400s, which Nowadays are much more like a, a a server level thing as opposed to the big mainframes that they once were. But you still have huge, huge entities that live in a cobalt environment. And these machines, they don't make parts for these machines anymore. And when there's something happens with the code, something blinks, they really don't know how to fix it anymore. 
and nobody has a good way to saying, hey, let's just flip a switch. Let's just upload it to a Windows server and be done with it. Yeah, because these things are so old. They're not designed to work with newer parts. You know, one of the reasons why banking transactions aren't instant is because of these COBOL systems, that they're just old and slow. And so you can sit there and try and bring in some of these COBOL cowboys, as they're called. But as you said, they're aging out. There's not that many of them in the first place. And so we really kind of need some new tool to solve this problem. And wouldn't you know it, IBM thinks that they can fix it. So IBM has their own LLM, their AI-powered code assistant called Watson X. If you remember the old Watson days, that was Watson was played on Jeopardy and did all the healthcare studies and everything and didn't really pan out as, as well as everyone hoped it would. But so now they're saying, hey, we've, we've got Watson X that we can get it to convert all that cobalt into a modern day programming language. This is an idea that on its surface, I buy that if you can have a large language model program in one programming language and program in a different programming language, you can have the large language model sit there and slam back and forth. Much like if you can ask ChatGPT to talk to you in English, you can ask ChatGPT to talk to you in Korean, ChatGPT can sit there and go back and forth between English and Korean. So it on a surface, I buy that this is a thing that is possible. The concerns I have is that there's so many intricacies in a cobalt environment that have it convert perfectly to a C++ or a C Sharp or one of the different a modern day language. You're going to lose something in translation. It happens no matter what language you're going to, from this language to that language, things get lost in translation. Okay, if we get 95% from Cobalt over to a, a C++ environment, can we go in and find that extra 5%? Can we get it? Because we got people who know C++. We can figure that part out then at that point because we've had the AI do the heavy lift for us. Is that what we're hoping for? I think that's right. And that's kind of what IBM is saying here, is that they're not expecting this to happen entirely in automation, that they're expecting it to be a developer tool. It's an, it's an assistant tool. You still will have to have humans go in and lead, but you know maybe a lot of that heavy lifting can be done, or a lot of that bulk translation can be done, and you, know, you can bring in the experts around the edges. I think that's kind of what their hope is here. IBM is they're really hoping that this modernization of old code can really just be the tip of the iceberg to to as to what the whole AI augmented code creation is all about. I mean, and, and if IBM can pull it off, good on them. Let's see how it plays out. This would be absolutely incredible if they're able to pull it off because, you know, this is your use case here. This is your proof. That if you can sit there and, and translate COBOL into something like Java or C++, as you're mentioning, that is, one, profitable. Because a lot of times whenever you're working on these new pieces of technology, it's this research idea, and it's vague, and it's abstract, and those AI researchers are very expensive to pay those very smart people. To pay for the computing time is very expensive, and so it just takes a while. It takes a lot of money. 
And so having this use case wherever IBM can say, look, this is our goal. We have specific parameters we're going after. Once it works there and they can start transitioning into, you know, we're going back and forth between other languages, you really start to unlock a lot of potential because even things like apps, right now when you write an app, you either write it for an Android operating system or for the iPhone operating system. If IBM can say, look, we can build a bridge in the middle, which allows it to just easily go back and forth between the two because it's all automated. That alone is already incredibly valuable. And so the potential is here to do something really cool. But again, it's all still potential for now. So thank you to the listener for sending in that question. We will be sending out that Tech Gumbo mug. If you would like a Tech Gumbo mug of your own, again, come to our website, techgumbo.net, and go to the Question of the Week tab. So moving along into the wonderful world of AI, ChatGPT just turned one year old. This is pretty crazy. I I remember where I was when I first heard about ChatGPT, and honestly, I was skeptical at first. Because I was like, oh, you know, I'm hearing about this thing, but there's no way that it's it's actually that good. I, I've seen chatbots for a decade now. You know, I remember Microsoft Tay and just all those other chatbots have come and gone and how I was just thoroughly underwhelmed by them. I said, oh, OK, you know, how good can this really be? And better than, better than I could have possibly expected. It really is is amazing. And it's led to all the other large language models that have come out, the the Google Bard and AWS has theirs, and we just talked about Watson X and their, you know, Meta has theirs. And but the interesting thing, this article we found talked about the five things that we've learned about AI in its first year. And the first one is that ChatGPT does not actually understand anything. I think that's a really important point that needs to be just made over and over and over again. Because it's really easy to make this mistake that we as humans are used to whenever you talk to something and it can talk back to you, that you assume some level of understanding there, some level of knowledge. Because even when you talk to your dog or your cat, that we anthropomorphize our, our pets all the time. Oh, well, they must know. And, you know, but whenever all of a sudden it can give you a full paragraph back or multiple paragraphs back, it's really easy to think that it knows or understands. But again, this is not what GPTs do. It's not what large language models do. To call them fancy autocomplete is dismissive. It is reductive, but that's kind of, it's closer to that than it is to actual knowledge. So the second thing is it's best used as a helpful starting point. With that being said, they are really valuable. You sh I wouldn't say you should be talking to them, but I do talk to ChatGPT. I do talk to the Bing chat that if there's an idea that, you know, I have and I just want to want to get some feedback on, I'll just go sit there and start asking it for questions and then have it give me ideas, have it give me sources, have it give me whatever. And then I'm doing the work from there. And so even just as a, a jump start, it's a fantastic jumping off place. I could not agree more. I use the ChatGPT in, inside of Microsoft Copilot. And instead of using Google, I use I use the the Copilot because I'm gonna get 
more specific answers the way I'm looking for them instead of here's 5,000 links. And so I like that. It, it makes sense to me. It's also not just as it links, but it's also it's summaries. It's three or four different articles tied together and presented in a narrative format. That's way more valuable. It feels just much more useful as opposed to, as you said, here's 10 different links. And uh, a lot of the smart people who I've been listening to are very scared about what this means for the future of the internet. You know, if Google has been the front page of the internet for a very long time, that the first thing you do is you just go Google whatever it is, and that's how you find out whatever is there on the internet. If all of a sudden you just talk to GPT or you talk to Bard, or you talk to Bing Chat or whatever you know Google's is going to be, that means you're not going to those sites anymore, which means you're not clicking on those sites, which means you're not seeing their ads anymore. So what does that do to ad revenue? All of the, our entire internet business model is based upon seeing ads and clicking on ads. With I'm just asking ChatGPT, and ChatGPT currently does not have ads in it, and maybe never will. Maybe you just always have the premium version, and they never sell an ad. That completely upends the entire way that we do business online. Uh, I'd never really thought about that, but that's fascinating. Another thing that we've learned with the upcoming presidential election next year, misinformation is not going away. This is so hard because it's also really tough to tell the difference between what is misinformation and what is disinformation. You know, is someone lying to you intentionally or is someone lying because they just actually think they're right and they're not? And maybe they're pulling from sources that are sometimes good, but they just missed this one because stuff coming from generative AI like ChatGPT or like the image generators can look really real. And so unless you're really coming through them, you are skeptical and you're ready to have that question of, is this real or not? It is easy to be fooled on this stuff. The fourth thing is that regu regulatory efforts are coming along piecemeal at a time, but they are coming along. This is something wherever I actually am very pleased with, that the Biden administration is uh, has released an executive order on AI back in October, and it didn't do a lot, but it was just a first step. And I think the, the biggest thing here was that they didn't get too far out over their skis on it. They didn't set hard rules. It was pretty soft. It was pretty gentle, but it was just a, hey, we have to be doing something. We have to get something out there. We just need more information. We need to be able to make better decisions in the future. And it actually did a pretty good step in that direction. And of course, the EU is just better at technology law than we are in general. But they are also putting effort in on this. The last thing we've learned is that in the year 2024, AI will be hard to avoid, especially at the office. I think this is a prediction that we made last <clears throat> year about this time, is that it would probably take more than a year. It'd probably take closer to two years before this stuff to make its way into corporate products. And it looks like we're right on track for that. That's, you know, you have the, the co-pilot, which is inside of Microsoft already, but it's not really used yet. People are still aren't 100% sure. It's not everywhere. It's going to take a little bit more time. The product needs to get a little bit better first. But 
all these things are happening and we're seeing that ramp up coming, yeah, I think that it's just going to be absolutely ubiquitous another year from now. The idea that you're not going to use AI inside your the office suite is just not real. I mean, it's going to be so pervasive that you're already using it, whether you know it or not. The the fact that you, spell check is is artificial intelligence, and that's been around for a long time. And it's just going to get so much easier to say, "Hey, Chat GPT, put together a PowerPoint based upon these. Give me give me five slides, and this is the information I need." Da 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 da. And boom, it'll do it for you instantly, as opposed to the four hours it would take you to put together that PowerPoint PowerPoint presentation on your own. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yes, that's that's exactly the point here is that there's so much work that we do, which is digital grunt work that is very easily automatable and that it is like having your own entry level employee. And so just someone who reports to you and who has infinite time and maybe they, they need some guidance, maybe they need some editing. But once it gets to a certain level, it's going to be much easier to go back and clean up, you know, one or two things here and there and make some edits over there. But a lot of the bulk is going to be done. And yeah, why would I not want to offload the the mundane, the the boring, the repetitive tasks? Just to have it look, give me a, a, a I need a 500 word document summarizing this 10,000 word article or give me four paragraphs on 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 an article in The Wall Street Journal that talked about such and such. Dang, it'll do it for you so quickly. You can sit there and read that 10,000-word article, and you can try and pull together your notes by yourself. But why? When you've got this doing it for you now. One of the places that I very much see it going is in research. That so much of research is sitting there and combing through you know, tens, hundreds of articles, and there's so many things you have to keep up with. If I could say, okay, I know that these articles are useful. Let me dump them all in. And you say, okay... GPT, go read all of them and you pull out the trends for me. And so instead of me sitting there reading 50 articles, which is going to take me close to a week, maybe maybe only two or three days, now it's done in an hour or so. And I can go back and verify it and say, oh, that's interesting here. That's their conclusion there. They made a great point here. Oh, I think I can do better than that. I think that I disagree here. But just having all that summarized, having all that condensed, having it all placed in your hands and, and made so much more accessible unlocks you to do so much more. The way that we're going to use this artificial intelligence is it just is it's such a game changer. When you go back 50 years ago, 40 years ago, everybody had a secretary. Nobody has secretaries anymore. Because why why do you need a secretary? You're doing you can send your own emails. And so maybe you need an assistant to help do some PowerPoint to create some spreadsheets for you. We well, are not going to need that assistant anymore because this is going to do it for you so quickly and so easily. Now, this is going to force retraining, re-education, making us learn new things because we still have to have jobs. We're just going to have new and better jobs. I think it really will be a thing which will help differentiate. If you are someone who is capable of learning, you are someone who is eager to learn, who is willing to learn, who is hungry to learn. Spend some time with this. It will be however much you, you invest in it, it will return your investments over the long term tenfold, a hundredfold, maybe a thousandfold. It is, it is tough to say 
because it's it is just growing that much. And so if you are someone who's able to say, oh, I know how to harness this. I know how to make use of this. I am putting it to work for me, not the other way around. You will excel in anything. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.